All right, welcome to uh, another podcast as we uh, begin to dive into another series um, that we're doing with the kids together. Uh, Mara, why don't you introduce the series? All right, so we are starting off a new series here in April, and it is called Level Up. And um, especially for our kids, this is going to be a very familiar concept, this idea that when you're playing a video game, the whole goal is to get to those higher levels by defeating bigger challenges, by overcoming bigger things. And I'm not a video game person, and so for me, it's easy. Once it gets too challenging, I just, I just want to give up. But when I talk to my son or talk to my husband, I'm like, why do you keep doing this? And it's like, well, because it's worth it. The, the later levels, the higher levels are so much cooler. The rewards are better. And so we're taking that idea and um, kind of translating it into how our faith develops and how our faith grows. And um, we've just talked about what a like perfect timing this is because wherever you are, you are facing some sort of challenge today. Like we know that we can kind of across the board agree that Things are different, things are hard, things are rough on everyone. And um, in the middle of those challenges, that's really where our faith grows. That's where we're, we see the most development. So this month, we are going to be looking through Jesus's um, kind of the time leading up to his death and his resurrection and seeing how he encountered those challenges. How did he respond in the face of difficult situations? Um, Hebrews 12, 2 says that he is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And so we're going to be taking a look at him to get some ideas about how we can respond even when things aren't going how we planned. Awesome. So, so it's about a video game ideal. I'm, I'm wondering what we'd call this series if we were labeling it for our adults. I guess grow. Uh, grow up. Time grow to grow up. up. <laughs> grow up. Uh, promotion, whatever. Graduation. So, so it's leveling up. Awesome. What, read the passage for us, Josh, and why don't you get us started yeah. in our conversation? Yeah, sure. So we're gonna we're gonna start this series uh, in Matthew chapter twenty-six, uh, verse thirty-six to forty-six, and it says this: Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, "Sit here while I go over there and pray." He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. <clears throat> then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look. The hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Mm. Powerful verse, powerful passage. So, so what are you seeing in that passage, Josh? Yeah, so the, the first, uh, the big thing that just kind of smacked me in my face in, in reading this and, and thinking through this uh, is really just, it's such a powerful display of the humanity of Jesus. Um, like maybe, you know, I think of the, 
when I think of the humanity of Jesus, uh, maybe first and foremost, I think of uh, just the simple passage that Jesus wept. Um, when, when, his, when his friend died, he wept, and that showed the humanity. But then this one, just this, uh, just this display of extreme humanness, <laughs> which, which is maybe a funny way to put it, but uh, this, this shows Jesus's humanity in such a powerful way. Um, and so I, I guess maybe just to kind of bounce back and, and start a discussion there is, I, I guess, what, what would you all say are the implications of Jesus's humanity that we see in this passage? Well, I think there's, um, there's two extremes you can go with regard to Jesus and, and, or, or one extreme thing people do is they, they take away his humanity. They make him superhuman. And when you make him superhuman Jesus, then, then he has very little application to us. But maybe he can save us and take us to heaven, but can he affect our life in the here and now? What do you think, Mara? Right. I mean, I feel like as I was hearing you read this, like I'm literally just like cringing inside, just imagining how he was feeling. And I think that, I don't think it's a mistake that, that this was all included so we could see. And I mean, you can feel his suffering even, even here and, and, and the crucifixion, none of that has even started, but it talks about him being sorrowful and troubled and he's with his face on the ground. And I mean, I think we all can relate to those times where yeah, you just literally feel like you can't get yourself up off the floor. And um, wow. that is the position that he finds himself as he is just pouring himself and his heart and his desires out to his father. And um, I mean, I just keep sitting here. I feel like he's like that kid. Like, is there any other way, anything else? Like, please, please, please. I mean, like, I, I almost hear him just begging I, I, anything else, anything else. Um, and so for me, I just... I've, I've been there. I've, I've been in that place. Um, and it's really comforting to see um, Jesus there as well. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting to me that these guys that are his closest friends, these, these other disciples, they're not there for him. They're just not. They're, they're asleep. And, and he, he brings all of them into the garden, but then he takes the three closest guys to him. You know, he takes uh, James and John and Peter and and, and invites them to be right with him and they fall asleep too. So this is like, you know, he's not, I don't think he's hearing from God. I, I don't think God's answering this prayer. I don't think God's saying, Hey, everything's going to be okay. I think there's silence. I think this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me begins in the garden. And I believe there's a period of silence where he's not hearing his father. There's no intimacy with God and his closest friends have just, they're just going to sleep. They don't get it. And, and so in every, every way, spiritually, physically, socially, in every way, Jesus feels like he's by himself. Right. And it's Which, almost like it's not that the disciples wanted to abandon him. It's just there are certain times that like a suffering or it's so personal. Like the disciples wanted, I mean, like they've expressed desire, but it's like they, they can't. They, they do not have the capacity to, to comfort him in that time. Right. Which all of that makes it so relatable, right? And like it just, it screams human. Um, we've been in situations where, where we feel like uh, it's sorrow, it's, it's agonizing, it's confusion, it's fear, it's abandonment. Um, and we've also experienced where our human connections just aren't quite enough to, uh, 
to keep us, to, to hold us up. We've also probably been on the, the same side as the disciples where someone that we love and uh, are in relationship with uh, is in the midst of that. And there's just nothing that we can do, not because we don't want to, um, but we just, we just don't want to. And so like, man, I, I think of just in the, the season that we are in and the situation that we're in and, and there's uh, just confusion and, and unknown and uncertainty and fear. Um, man, just to know that, that Jesus is someone who uh, in, in our teen, uh, teen lesson this past Sunday, it was based on the same passage. And there's this idea, this idea that the Jesus that suffers, suffers with us. And so it, it's not this thing that we're in praying this, all of this is taken away and everything is making uh, made better. Uh, it's just that in the midst of this, we know we can, that Jesus can identify with us. And that's such, right. a, that's such a powerful thing. I think. It's good. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, so then the next kind of, I guess, sticking with the, the human theme of this, uh, something that, that struck me as, again, as I was going through this, is just this, uh, the, where this took place. This took place in the garden, the garden of Gethsemane. And of course, there's uh, the, the obvious, the, the first garden, the garden of Eden. And uh, just the kind of the, I don't know if I want to say similarities, because it's probably more not similarities, it's complete opposite of, of what's happening here. Um, but I think that, that there's this point in this, uh, in this dialogue, in, in this prayer, in this situation with Jesus, where uh, Jesus actually gives us a glimpse of what it means to be fully human. Uh, and, and I don't, we were at, uh, so we were at NYC with the teens um, this summer. And one of the, one of the speakers said something that was uh, really subtle and it was kind of hard to grasp, but um, we, we, we often hear that we sin because we're human. Like we, you know, we, we make a mistake because we're only human. And, and the speaker said, well, actually, like it's this, it's a sin that makes us less than human. And, uh, and so that just kind of stuck with me. But as I was reading this, there's this point where Jesus shows us what it looks like to be fully human. And, and I think that that point is when he says, not my will, but your will, because when God created human uh, in the garden of Eden, uh, things were right. They were fully human. They were created as they were supposed to be. And it wasn't until they said, actually, God, not your will, but my will, that there was this kind of like marred humanity and this, this not quite fully human. And so it's like this grand reversal where Jesus said, no, to be fully human is to kind of submit to not my will, but God's will. What do you guys, what do you guys think about that? And the kind of the correlations between Garden of Gethsemane and Garden of Eden. That's really interesting because I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm like mulling that over and thinking like the idea of being yeah, fully human, being made in the image of God, like our, our wills, our free will, like that, that was part of that, um, that idea of being human is that we had that idea or that ability to choose. And so um, when we see the, the consequences of using that choice to choose our will, like we, yeah, we see the fall, we see sin and all of that. But then when we watch Jesus recognize again, that his will, his, his, his prayer is like, if this is possible, take this cup away from me. But so he's showing like that, that would be his will. That is, that's kind of his choice. He, he recognizes that it's there, but his, his decision is to submit. 
And so it's not a, it's not a removing of our will. It's not a making us into some sort of a robot, but it's a recognizing and then also submitting that will when it would pull us away from, from what God would have us do. That's good. You know, there, there's, there's this ideal of we're connecting to our created nature when, when we choose the path of Jesus. I, as you were talking about that, Josh, I was thinking about Philippians 2, and it's, Philippians 2 has the great hymn of the church that describes Jesus, and it says, because he was by nature God, he did not consider equality, he did not consider equality with God something to cling to. And, and some translation says, you know, in, in essence, because his nature was to be like God, he released. So the very nature of God is this submissive nature. And so we, we tend to think, well, well, God is up here and humanity's down here and we're supposed to submit to God. And yet when you read the Bible, what you see is we have a submissive God that submits to us and wants us to submit to him. That, that, that sounds like you're making God tame. It doesn't. It, it, it's, it's understanding the nature of God. The nature of God is this nature of love. And, and so when, when Jesus is submitting himself um, to the cross, I believe he's not only exercising his true humanity, he's, he's also exercising his true um, deity, uh, what his very nature, the very nature of God and the very nature of humanity is coming together in that moment where, where, where Jesus is showing what it means to be God and Jesus is showing us what it means to be human. And, and, and these aren't separate things. They're, they're, they're coming together all in these moments. So there, there's a lot of power and I and I don't think I don't think the garden uh, scene is unintentional. <laughs> I, I think sure. God wants to smack us in the face with it to see Absolutely. that there's there you can be the old Adam or you could be the new Adam, and, and yeah. the new Adam lives by not not exercising their own will but submitting their will to the will of the Father. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. I yeah I just that's that that's good. I I. This, this that idea of what it means to be fully human is uh is is, is fascinating to me because i think for so long and, and just just the way that it's sometimes talked about it, it's just that idea that you know we're human and so of course we're going to mess up and we're going we're to make mistakes um and that's that's all genesis 3 and beyond right like the, the beginning this idea of fully human is to be uh is not to be sinful and and mistakes and and it's just it's just a picture of submission, um, but I hadn't thought of that of uh, in terms of of God also being submissive. Uh, but that's certainly the way that it's uh, the, the picture that's painted, like in, in Philippians. That's good, good. Um, so I think the big the big thing here is uh, is trust, right? To in order to to be able to say, not my will, but your will. To to be in the midst of this. Uh, this pain and this anguish and this sorrow and grief and uncertainty and fear and to be able to say um, not my will but your will is it all boils down to trust uh, and so I, I guess yeah like what do you what are you guys seeing in terms of trust here well, I think there's trust and uncertainty here in, in the passage that you just read I, I don't think Jesus has any clarity uh, exactly. I think he knows the cross is coming, but he doesn't know exactly what's going to happen in the next few hours. I think he has an ideal, uh, but, but I, that, that's the hard part. So, you know, it's, it's not hard obeying God in the known things, 
although sometimes we make it hard, it's hard to wait for God in the unknown. And, and, and that's when our trust is fully, fully um, um, exercised and, and put it, put at uh, risk is, is when we have to wait. Yeah, no, I was kind of thinking back, um, preparing for this to um, kind of the time that we spent in the hospital with Reed after he was born. And truthfully, the hardest part of that was not the time that we sent him in for a heart surgery that was scheduled. I mean, from pretty early on in the days that we were there, we, could, we knew what day that would be. We, we knew what to expect. The hardest part was the day-to-day. It was the alarms going off on his, on his monitors. It was those moments where you're like, okay, well, I, I, I know that this is coming, but this here seems like something we just can't get past. This here is where I'm struggling. And so like to know like, yeah, Jesus had a picture of the cross, but I don't, yeah, I don't know if he could even imagine. I, I feel like he probably was scared to think about the level of physical suffering that he was going to encounter leading up to that. Um, so when I read him say, like, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. And then that, that conjunction that he uses, he says, yet, not as I will, but as you will. And I was looking at, I was like, okay, what's the difference between saying but or yet? And is it just a personal preference? And um, they're saying that the word yet kind of implies intention for like a future action. So he's recognizing all these things, recognizing this is not what I would choose, but I'm making an intentional choice that moving forward. I'm, I'm not what I want, but what you want. Yeah. And I just think that's, a, it's interesting. Yeah. I, uh, what was, I was like, kind of thinking about, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, sometimes I think when we say, man, I'm fully trusting in God in this situation. I think that, that perhaps we, uh, we have this idea that if we are truly fully trusting God, then our feelings of fear and anxiety and sorrow and grief all of a sudden disappear. And as I'm reading this, that's not the case at all. Um, Jesus is, is expressing these feelings and having these feelings to the point of sweating blood, right? Um, and and he, he's trusting and he's fully trusting you have to fully trust to be able to say, not my will, but your will. But all of that, all of those feelings and emotions are still there. They're, they're not going somewhere. What do, you, what do you think that, like, what, what does that mean for us? What are the implications of that? I think recognizing that is, is a huge step. When he talk, told Peter, like, watch and pray so you won't fall into temptation. And then he says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I kind of am like, is, is he commiserating with Peter? Like, I don't necessarily know that he's telling Peter that Peter's spirit is willing and his flesh is weak. I think he's also reflecting on himself. And so I think sometimes when we are willing to, to name those things that we're, we're struggling with, I think that that um, takes a lot of power of that anxiety over um, away from it because when we are honest with with ourselves we're honest with other people that yes i trust god but man i am really struggling with this it's not that i know that i don't think he can i'm just wondering if he will mm. and i think that um i don't know that we often share that enough i think we wait till the end and we talk and look back at all the things that i oh i was trusting him i and here's how it it went and it worked out, but I don't know that we often sit and wrestle in the midst of, yes, I'm trusting, but this is, I, I don't know what is going on. Yeah. I think there, I don't know who said it. 
I talked to uh, Pastor Jeff in one of our holy highlights, um, and somebody said that courage is not the absence of fear, but it's proceeding in the presence of fear. And, and I think you can you can put trust in there. Trust mm-hmm. trust is not uh, proceeding without fear, but trust is proceeding when there is fear, when there is anxiety, when there is uncertainties, and uh, we'll never progress to where God wants us to be unless we're willing to um, take steps, even in the midst of anxiety and fear and, and the unknown. That, that's, that's when real growth occurs. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Which is so relevant, again, to today and our situation, right? Like, to, to say that we trust, to say even that we fully trust, uh, is not to pretend that we've got this all figured out and this isn't, you know what, does that make sense? Um, yes. I, I think um, it's, it's okay to... Uh, to name those feelings and those emotions and to uh, you can still trust even when you when you acknowledge and name those things and I think that's important for us I think it's important for us as uh, as pastors um, in in kind of talking with our with our people um, that it's okay to to feel those feelings and to name those and not to just simply you know you got to have more trust Uh, I think that's a sometimes uh, kind of a, a quick go-to easy fix, and, uh, but we ignore the, the real pain and the, the real emotions and feelings. Right. We say things like, oh, yeah, just have more faith, just have more faith, while neglecting that faith is building and growing in yeah. the times when we are struggling to trust, in the times that we are lost and confused. So um, yeah, almost like those kind of come, they're opposite of each other. You can't tell someone to have more of something but they're, they're, they might actually be growing that right now. Yeah, for sure. Anything else that stood out to you guys? Those were kind of my observations. Well, I was just thinking about um, kind of that connection between trusting and obedience. And um, I don't know, is it, is it possible and is it easier to obey someone that you trust or somebody that you don't? I mean, like, where does, where does authority versus trust and relationship, how does that factor into um a decision to be obedient that's a good question i think it's easier to trust people that or obey people that you trust that's for sure um can you obey without trusting (laughs) is is the question and and you know do do we do we sometimes just obey god out of um without trust and does god honor that I, i i think there's there's i don't think it's bad to to obey god no matter what but I think God's uh, calling us to obedience towards relationship and towards trust that, that he wants to be, he wants us to see in our obedience that he can be trusted. Hmm. So perhaps maybe this goes back to this idea of being fully human. Um, we can obey God out of fear, right? Like we can obey God because we're afraid of what will happen if we don't. I have. And we're still, yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and so, and that's still obedience and that's obeying, but perhaps may, what, it, what it is to be fully human is to obey out of trust. Um, and so that's, a, that's an interesting distinction there. It's yeah. good. So then in that, does your attitude matter? I mean, does it matter that you don't necessarily obey cheerfully or that you're not excited to do the next thing that God asks you to do? Does it matter if you ultimately just, if you still do it? 
I, that's a good, that's, I mean, that's a good question <laughs> because Jesus's attitude in the Garden of Gethsemane was not a, let's go do this. Right. right? Um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think as parents, sometimes we think, well, it's a, it's a mark of really solid parenting if your kids smile at you and say, okay, to everything you ask them to do. And that if, you're, if you get any pushback, well, wait, what's happening here? Don't they recognize my authority? And um, I don't know. What, what do you think, Paul? Your kids never, are older than ours. I, I, I can think back when I was a kid, me and my brother would get in a fight. My mom would make us hug. Those were not very loving hugs. Uh, no, we, didn't, we didn't throw any punches or anything, but it was like awful. Now we obeyed, we did it. And, uh, and, and maybe there's a, I, I don't know. I think, I think there is a time in all of our lives we just do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. There, there may not be a lot, of, a lot of passion or joy for it, but we do the right thing. And, and, but, but I think we all move or want to be moving towards giving with joy, serving with joy, being obedience, obedient with joy. Uh, but, but I think there, there is a time in everybody's life where you, we choose to honor God in our obedience, maybe not even out of fear and maybe not with joy and, and maybe not because we have full trust, but because he's been proven worthy over the years to, yeah. to say, okay, I'm going to do this, God. I don't really feel like it, uh, but, 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 but I'm going to do it. Um, yeah. I think, I don't care how mature you are. There's times in all of our lives where we serve in that way. And, and I'm not going to belittle that and, and say that that's, that's less than worthy. I, I think God's desire for us is, is that what we do leads towards a closer relationship with him and not just be obedience. But, but I think all of us have times in our life where we do the right thing because it's the right thing. And, and then God sometimes changes our ad attitude. Sometimes he doesn't. So sometimes we just did the right thing. And, and the only attitude change or the only attitude that, that's positive that I have is, well, I did the right thing. Yeah, sure. Right. I know. Lots of you guys know that, like, okay, I'm, I'm a really big Ren collector. Band, like um and they released new music this week and i was like the timing of it again is just perfect like one of their first songs it's called i choose to worship and that's what i just like uh, we've been thinking back to this yeah sometimes my heart is broken i'm i'm angry i'm upset but like i can still choose i can exercise my free will and one of my um, favorite lines that just talks about how god is good when life is not and so like recognizing that it doesn't it, it's not just on the good days that like we can choose to we can choose to offer ourselves as as a worship as sacrifice to him um but that we recognize that even even when what we see isn't good he still is and that we can choose to um to worship in that that's good that's good good awesome well uh mara what do you hope your kids kind of take away from this uh from this whole scene that we've been talking about all right well i feel like um some of our kids may read through this and say oh you know i feel like this has really given me some some freedom some permission to uh to to disagree to push back a little <laughs> bit on some of the things that, that my parents are asking me to do or are expecting me to do and so i guess i would just kind of um talk to especially those kids um maybe that this would be a great time to have a conversation about ways to um ways to discuss things or ways to, um, yeah, ways to question decisions or things without, um, while, while still honoring and respecting your parents. Um, one thing that we do 
especially with Finley. She's our one that she she has to know the why for everything. And so if you ask her to do something. Is that you or is that Ryan? Hmm. <laughs> okay, that's totally me. That is, that's, that's, <laughs> okay. Um, but one thing we found that has alleviated some, I won't say all, like this is not a one size fits all, but we have found that with her, if she knows that she can ask if she has another option. So if I tell her to do something, she knows that she can come back and, and it, it doesn't, it's not going to anger. It's no response for me, but she can say, is there any other options? And the answer could be yes or no, but that has been a real um, kind of a relationship grower for us in that she has grown to accept the times when the answer is no, there's no other options. This is what we need to do. Um, but also it's, it's challenged me as a, as a parent to say, okay, maybe I'm being unfair in the way that I'm demanding or saying that this has to be my way. Like when I guess, is there another way? Well, maybe, maybe sell me on, sell me on another idea. So um, I think that we're just seeing Jesus really in that. Um, I mean, he's modeling this relationship that he has with his father where he trusts God enough that God's not going to be mad at him for asking a question like, is there any other way um, that, that but ultimately knowing that his, his place is to submit, his place is to, um, to follow his father's will. So right now we're facing some tough situations. Um, and so we really like, we can follow his example. He knew he could trust God. He knew he could trust his father. And I'm hoping that all of our kids know and have those adults in their life that they know that they can trust. And so even if they're asking them to do something that's hard, even if they are um, making decisions that they don't understand, that we can see in Jesus's example that um, when we trust someone, we can obey them because we have that relationship with them. So, um, but parents know that you guys are leading your kids and helping them to develop their faith. Um, so sometimes it, we have to encourage those discussions with them. That's good. Yeah. <clears throat> right, you, so, uh, yeah, for, uh, for teens, I, I, I was thinking this, a few different ways I, I could go, but I think what I really want to uh, emphasize is just this idea of being able to identify, uh, or Jesus being able to identify and relate with us. Um, just in in talking with with some of the teens and, and and what they're going through, seniors especially, their their uh, senior year has just been uh, completely upended, and and um, it's it's not what they anticipated. Uh, I know there's even eighth graders who are finishing their eighth grade year. Uh, and things that they were looking forward to at the end of the year, but but everything and just confusion, and then also uh, all basically all of the things that uh, that our teens identify with uh, have kind of been stripped out from under them, uh, whether it's sports or extracurriculars and things like that. Uh, everything has just been kind of taken away at this moment, and so so I I think that that leaves us with a lot of questions, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of uh, loneliness, abandonment, um, maybe even identity crisis. Um, and so, uh, I guess my encouragement would be to cling to this idea that Jesus suffers, uh, with us. Jesus knows what it is to experience these same things, uh, that we're experiencing. And that's not a, that's not a plea to, or a call to just, you know, it, everything's going to be okay because Jesus knows what it's like. No, it's a, it's a real, like, this is real. Like what we're going through is real. What you're feeling is real. Uh, and Jesus, Jesus understands that. And so I guess parents uh, who are stuck with your teenagers, 
more than you've ever imagined you would be at this at this moment in your life. Uh, what a prime opportunity for you to uh, to talk through these things with your teams uh, to help them acknowledge the the things that they are feeling and thinking, uh, and and then encourage them to uh, to find this Jesus that identifies with them and suffers alongside them. Uh, and so that would be my hope for for the teens. Uh, Paul, why don't you uh, just uh, kind of a whole church application takeaway response and then maybe well, first off I gotta mention you've got a ghost in your house that looks like a little kid without a shirt on that was appearing <laughs> in the back window so oh really yeah so they were peeking it over your shoulder well I think the invitation to, to pray to wrestle with to to, to realize that um no, our questions are going to be answered instantly. Uh, the invitation to pray with each other, uh, you know, the, the, the invitation to be fully human, to, to fully fill your emotions. I, I'm always amazed at how often the emotions of Jesus are put on display. And so all these things are, are part of this that, uh, you know, God, God calls us to this point of letting go of our own will and finding ourselves in his will not so that he can dominate us, but because in finding ourselves and his will is the only way we find ourselves on the path of freedom and redemption and, and life and kingdom. All these things that we, we, we talk about and we encourage people to do, uh, it, it only happens when Jesus says, not my will, but your will. And it, now it ends up with the cross, but it also without the, without the cross, you can't get to the resurrection. And so all of these things work in together. Uh, when, when Jesus is saying, not my will, but your will, he's saying not only my, your will with regard to the cross, but he's saying your will with regard to the resurrection. Uh, that, that, that Jesus is affirming the full will of God, not just this bad thing that's, that, that's going to happen in a few hours. And uh, so I, I would ask our church to cling to that. Now, I, I do have to mention, Mark, well, Ryan let me pose with a picture with my arms around his neck, like behind your shoulder there, that's on the wall behind you. You can turn and look. That, that'll be the picture that I want to pose with Ryan, just like that. And, and Oh, I, 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 think, I think he would, I think he'd okay, allow it. Okay, all right. Josh, why don't you close us in prayer this sure. week? Yeah, absolutely. God, we are thankful for this uh, time that we've had together to discuss your word uh, and to uh, look at this, this awesome story and this awesome portrait of Jesus. God, may we, find, um, may, we, may we find comfort in knowing that you uh, step down to, to walk among us, to walk with us, uh, to be fully human, to go through what we would go through, to experience emotions and feelings like we do. May we find comfort in that in this time. Uh, God, would you also uh, teach us what it looks like to, uh, to be obedient to you, to submit to your will. Um, help us to figure out the, the, this, this kind of balance between uh, willing submission and, and maybe kicking and screaming submission, um, but ultimately help us to see that you have been trustworthy, you've been faithful, and so uh, you deserve our submission. God, thank you for your love for us. Uh, thank you for, uh, thank you for coming to Earth to be one of us. And as we prepare for uh, Easter week and and we look forward to celebrating, uh, God, thank you for what you have done for us in our lives. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless. See you all later.